0: So, guys, with the whole concept of what if, right, we're tackling the MCU and all these alternate timelines. And it got me thinking, you know, there's tons of other properties out there, tons of other alternate realities that we aren't privy to. So I want to ask you, what other what if from any other show, movie, game, whatever it may be, would you like to see?
1: Yeah, I think for mine, we may have to go to another cinematic universe. Let's jump over to the DCEU. Mm. What if there was an alternate version of Josh Whedon's Justice League? That's
0: pretty interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't really love that movie. And and it is a shame. I mean, there's so many great individual pieces, I feel like. So many interesting heroes. But we just didn't get enough time to spend with them. And ugh, don't get me started on the villain. It felt like there was so much more on the cutting room table. Um, I mean, it's not like they cut out over two hours. But you know what I mean. Just like a few scenes I'm sure they meant to put in. But... Yeah, you know, that'd be really great. I would actually like to revisit that one, but in a way, way, way longer and darker format.
1: It's just, it just kind of sucks because we got Zack Snyder's vision for Man of Steel in BVS, but then we didn't get to see it for Justice League.
0: Yeah, who only does two movies and then just never comes back? I think I got to go to another franchise. You guys have been out of the box. I got to jump over to Star Wars, I feel.
1: What if Mark Hamill was a good actor? Whoa. <laughs> I couldn't
0: help but wonder, what if Sebulba won the pod race and killed young Annie? Do we think there's a chance that Qui-Gon appreciates the tenacity of a young or old, I'm not sure how old Sebulba is, (laughs) but
2: all I'm saying
0: is we could have gotten some great scenes with him in the place of young Annie. And hey, look, Sebulba's not a great guy. I'm not saying he is, but... Does he become Darth Vader? Does he make the same choice that Anakin does to kill Mace Windu and become Darth Vader? I don't know that he does. And so maybe we save a lot of lives inadvertently by making Sebulba the
1: Padawan of young Obi. When you brought up Sebulba, I thought you were going in a totally different direction. I thought you were going to say, what if Sebulba was young Anakin's father? Well, that's a a different episode, I feel like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three watchers that can't interfere with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I was actually supposed to be on the original Avengers team, but Michael Douglas murdered me. I'm Keith Baker, and I hope to join
2: Good Thanos soon for a few beers at the bar.
1: And I'm Austin Terry, and I enjoyed Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent in this animated show. Well, you might be
0: the only one, Austin. I mean, I'm not some guy that enjoys stories about energies or jackers. (laughs) (laughs) Benedict, is that you? (laughs) All right. On today's show, we'll be doing a review of, dare I say, the fourth Marvel Disney Plus show of 2021. It is time to talk about, I know, it is time to talk about what if... Five of the nine episodes of season one have been released, so we'll be getting into our thoughts on those and our hopes for the rest of the episodes. Before we get into all that good stuff, though, Austin, last week we talked about the newest addition to the movie side of Marvel, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. How'd that go?
1: Yeah, Shang-Chi was awesome. You and I had a great time with this one in the theaters, and I think we agreed that Shang-Chi may have our best Marvel origin movie villain to date. Uh, So if you want to hear our thoughts on that one, go back and check that episode out. We love the comedy. We love the action. We love the villain. We love the visuals. Shang-Chi is just a solid movie. It's super fun. Go check it out. So Keith, since you weren't able to be on that episode with us, I'm curious,
0: any interest in Shang-Chi at all?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, And as usual, I'd be going into it blind. I have not watched any... Trailers or read anything about it, so I know nothing about it. And how is it pronounced? Is it Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi? It's
1: actually a joke in the movie, Keith, but it is indeed Shang-Chi. Okay.
2: I've been saying Shang-Chi
0: this entire time. Well, I think we all were. Yeah. All of us bad whites, which is basically all of us. (laughs) That's Texas boys. (laughs) Hey, have you seen that Shang-Chi movie yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was definitely saying it, but yeah, they they get it, they clear it up pretty quick. So you're like, oh, it's Shang-Chi.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely excited to go watch it, and I do plan on seeing it uh, hopefully later this week.
0: I think you'll like it. I feel like it's a good Keith movie. Tons of action, some good visuals, and some good heart, which is three ingredients of a movie that Keith will enjoy, I feel like. And with that, let's get into the main topic for today's show. Like we said at the top, we've been enjoying the Marvel content this year so far, starting with WandaVision, then Falcon and Winter Soldier, and more recently, Loki. Some shows were consistently good, had weekendings, things. Dips in the middle, but overall we were pretty positive. WandaVision and Loki got high marks from us for at least being very different than previous MCU entries. If you want to hear our thoughts on those shows, we actually did episode-by-episode reviews, so head to your podcast feed of choice or the Arnie's YouTube channel, subscribe, and scroll on back to see what we thought of those. And now it is time to continue that trend with something even more drastically different. What If is Marvel's first animated and anthology entry? After the finale of Loki, we saw the multiverse break down, which opened up some crazy possibilities. This show explores some of those alternate realities through the view of the Watcher, who can't interfere. We've seen some characters take the place of others, we've seen some familiar events play out very differently, and we've seen the MCU take on different genres than we ever expected, like, I don't know, maybe zombies, for example. We will return in a few weeks with our thoughts on the second half of the season, but for now, we will break down the first five. Austin and Keith, give me your brief thoughts on the MCU Disney Plus shows so far and your non-spoiler thoughts on this batch of What If episodes.
1: Yeah, I can't believe we've already had four of these Disney Plus shows. It's just insane to me how quickly they've been churning out content this year. And I think for the most part, all four of them have been solid. Uh, Really good stories, really good character development in in all three of the completed shows. And then the animated one in What If has just been really fun. Um, And I think that's the best thing I can say about What If so far. It's really just fun to hear some of the actors from the main movies come back and do their voices of the characters that they've been playing for so long. It's fun to hear different actors voice characters that we know and love in some other episodes. It's fun to see different stories play out. It's fun to see alternate realities. Um, So I've been having a great time with What If so far. It's also been slightly darker uh, than I expected Marvel to go. And I have been appreciating that take as well.
2: Definitely darker than I expected. I I expected to be happy endings in in all of these, and that was definitely not the case. But um, as far as the first three uh, Marvel uh, shows, yeah, I enjoyed them all as well. I would say Loki's probably the stronger one out of the three for me so far. And then going into this show, I think I decided probably through episode two or three, I was like, I think this show probably has potential to take the best Marvel show for me, for sure.
1: Wow. Nice. Bold statement. From yeah,
2: Keith. I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying all the alternate stories that could have happened, and the character. It's really cool to see. Like you said, Austin, it's really cool to see uh, some of the actors come back and and do the voices for these, and it's cool to watch and see what happens to all these different characters and what could have what could have happened.
1: It's been fun to guess too, like if it's the actual actor or if it's a new actor voicing the character.
2: Yeah, I I find myself checking IMDb like every five minutes. Like, oh, is that actually him? Or like, that doesn't sound like him. I'm not too sure. Um, and then I just like the format of it too. I like, I'm really, you know, kind of works for my ADD brain. I like, I like the short story aspect of it and that it doesn't all just flow into each other. It's a good break from having to keep up with one long story.
0: Yeah. I'm right there with you guys. I've been having a great time with what if, um, the first few shows that we got this year, I don't, I don't think great content has to be consistently good. I think that's something that I realized watching those shows because they definitely had some ups and downs, but I think all of them are super enjoyable and great watches. Uh, I think I'm probably with Keith that Loki, at least for now, I think is probably my favorite. It was the one that I got the most consistent enjoyment out of, and there were some fun twists and turns along the way. So that was awesome, but I love the other two as well. And What If has been way different than I thought it was going to be. I knew it was going to be episode by episode, just these crazy different stories, but I was nervous going in, and we're going to talk about this later, that They would all just be kind of general changes. It's like, what if this one thing was different? You know, like, what if Captain Carter was Captain Rogers, Captain America? And we'll get into that episode. I feel like that one's pretty standard in terms of what you would expect. But the episodes from there get crazier and crazier and way different from anything, which I really appreciated. So. I've been really enjoying it. I definitely have some issues. I honestly probably have bigger issues with this one than the others. But at the same time, it is, I think, at its core, meant to be a quick, consumable Saturday morning cartoon type thing. So even though I have issues, it's not like I'm mad or that passionate about them. It's just some things I notice that we'll talk about later. But overall, definitely super enjoying it.
1: Yeah, I think the thing I've been enjoying the most is how they've been using the Watcher character. I think yeah. they time his, like, explanations and his voiceovers at, like, just the right moment when it's, whenever it's, like, to explain either what the difference is in this reality or, like, how this carries over and how it's going to branch out from, uh, like, in the current reality that we're in for the show. I think The Watcher has been really making the show for me.
0: Yeah. And people have obviously been pointing out the natural connection to someone like Rod Serling from The Twilight Zone. Very similar vibe of just having that sort of ominous narration throughout. So that's been, it's been cool. And Austin, I think you're right. They've been using Jeffrey Wright perfectly and his voice, mm, I'm jealous. It's a good one.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff
0: from Mr. Jeffrey. All right. Well, of course we want to talk about our friend Mr. Jeffrey even more, but to do that, we have to drop the official spoiler warning. So if you have not watched the first five episodes of What If over on Disney+, Plus, go check those out and come on back to our episode to hear Our thoughts on each and every episode and each and every detail within. So as always, we've got to start off with our cast and crew. So Austin, how about you hit me with the crew side of What If?
1: Yeah, so What If? is created and written by A.C. Bradley. She's known for the animated show Troll Hunters, Tale of Arcadia, and the upcoming Miss Marvel. Every episode has been directed by Brian Andrews, who is the writer and storyboard artist for Samurai Jack, several early 2000s Nickelodeon shows, and 12 MCU movies. We have an additional writer in Matthew Chauncey, and our animation has been provided by Blue Spirit, Squeeze, and Flying Jack Productions, and our score for every episode has been composed by Laura Cartman.
2: Well, I'll bring us into our cast here. We have Mr. Jeffrey Wright, of, of course, as The Watcher. Haley Atwell as Captain Carter. Josh Keaton as Steve Rogers. Mr. Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. And this is also his final performance in the MCU before his passing, so that's pretty awesome um, that he was able to do this. Uh, Michael Rooker as Yondu. Karen Gillian as Nebula. Josh Brolin is back as Thanos. Samuel Jackson Returns as Nick Fury. Lake Bell as Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow. Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange Supreme. Rachel McAdams as Christine Palmer. Hudson Thames as Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider Man. Mark Ruffalo returns as Bruce Banner, a.k.a. The Hulk. And Evangeline Lilly is returning as well as Hope Van Dyne, a.k.a. Wasp.
0: And, of course, we have a few others that we should probably mention. Just a few. Sebastian Stan, Dominic Cooper, Stanley Tucci, Toby Jones, Bradley Whitford, Ross Marquand, Daryl Hammond, Jeremy Renner, Neil McDonough, Benicio Del Toro, Kurt Russell, Ophelia Lefabon, Carrie Coon, Tom Von Lawler, Jemima Hansu, John Caney, Sean Gunn, Chris Sullivan, Seth Green, Tanay Gurira, Fred Bre Brian T. Delaney, Tom Hiddleston, Clark Greg, Jimmy Alexander, Frank Grillo, Mick Winker, Michael Douglas, Stephanie Panacillo, Mike McGill, Alexander Daniels, Benedict Wong, Donald Swift, Michael Leslie Pimpol, Benito, David Desfalzzi, and John Faffer, Emily Van. And naturally, Paul Rudd as the head of Scott Lang. So, my friends, obviously there are too many to count here. So let's just try and single out anything that really, really stood out. Who was a highlight, positive or negative?
1: Yeah, my highlight, I'm going to go with Lake Bell as Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow. I love her in The Harley Quinn Show as Poison Ivy, and she is just as great here. Her voice work is incredible. I really didn't even notice that it wasn't Scarlett Johansson.
2: Like I said at the beginning, Austin... I, I had to check IMDb a couple times because I was thinking, I was trying to guess whether it was Scarlett or not, and I had to go on and check, and it, I saw that it was Lake Bell. I was like, oh, wow, it <laughs> sounds just like her. So, yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. And a lot of the voices that were not, like uh, the guy who did Peter Parker and uh, Tony Stark also did a pretty decent job of sounding just, just like him. So as far as highlights for me, I don't know. Everybody did a pretty good job. I'll, I'll highlight Michael Rooker, Samuel L. Jackson, and— uh,
1: Get one, Keith. Did you not hear the rules? You oh, this <laughs> one. You're Sorry. always breaking the rules on this podcast, and I'm putting my hey, finger down. Have you to. get one choice. My finger I'm gonna, down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm going to combine these two into one. Michael Rooker and Samuel Jackson, they were pretty awesome in this in this show, but everybody pretty much was the same. It's animated, so I really can't say one performance was better than, than the other.
0: I got one positive for you, and I got to go Chadwick Boseman. It's an easy one for sure. He's always been great as Black Panther, but I especially wanted to call him out here because... He we've seen him play already in the show, two versions of the character, one in the zombie episode, a more standard version of the child that we've seen. And that was great. But then seeing how he still feels like Black Panther weirdly as Star Lord. But there is that like charisma there that makes him also feel like Star Lord. I thought was really done well just through his voice work. Same with Haley Atwell as Captain Card. I thought she was great for the same reason, but I did not anticipate having to do this. We rarely shout out negatives on this show. We do always say, what's your highlight, positive or negative? But we never really use it. But this time, guys, I don't want to give it to this person. I love this actor. I think he's great, not just in the MCU, but in like every movie I've seen elsewhere. But after now seeing him in two different episodes in this show, I think I can pretty confidently say that this guy should not be voice acting, and that is... The monotone, just completely cold, lifeless, dead performance of the one, the only, Sebastian Stan. Terrible. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mark Ruffalo. I
2: was too. I was guessing Mark Ruffalo.
0: He Yeah, Mark Ruffalo I don't think is great, but Sebastian Stan, we have to watch him kill his best friend in the entire world in the zombie episode, and his response is literally, guess I was with you to the end of the line. (laughs) Sorry, pal. Uh <laughs>, laughs off walking. It felt like it honestly felt like in both the first episode and the zombie episode that he was not directed. It's just like they assumed he'd be good. So they just like were like, All right, Sebastian, just go record in that room and then, you know, when you're done, just lock up. <laughs> like it was so bad. Everybody else I thought was good though. Before we talk about all the episodes in too much detail, we should probably give the audience just a quick reminder. So, Austin and Keith, you guys want to kind of throw the titles out there and the quick synopsis just to make sure everybody's up to speed?
2: Yeah, so the first episode is, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? The story changes the events of Captain America, the first Avenger, with Peggy Carter taking the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers and becoming the superhero Captain Carter.
1: In episode two is what if T'Challa became Star-Lord, and the premise here is that what could happen if the events of Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther occurred differently with Yondu and the Ravagers abducting a young T'Challa instead of a young Peter Quill?
2: In episode three is what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? It explores what would happen if the events of the MCU tie-in comic Fury's big week occurred differently, with Nick Fury's campaign to recruit the Avengers derailed by a string of their deaths.
1: And episode four is What If Dr. Strange Lost His Heart Instead of His Hands. This one takes us through an alternate origin for Dr. Strange, with Dr. Stephen Strange's girlfriend Christine Palmer dying rather than Strange losing the use of his hands.
2: And finally, episode five, What If... Zombies. It explores what would happen if the events of the films Ant-Man and the Wasp and Avengers Infinity War occurred differently with a quantum realm virus being unleashed onto the world and the remaining Avengers and their friends having to band together to find a cure.
0: All right, guys, now that everybody is up to speed, let's go ahead and open it up and have our freeform discussion. We all brought some discussion topics to the table. We'll get to what we want, maybe forget about some things, but either way, it's going to be a great old time. So, guys, we got to start where it just makes the most sense. What was your favorite episode and what was your least favorite?
2: I guess my favorite—I said it earlier—was episode two, with Fichala becoming Star Lord, and I'm not—I'm trying to pin down why this was my favorite episode. I guess it was just like the more f- fun one, and maybe yeah. the lightest. And it was only—I and I had no idea what was going to come in the next three episodes, so I could really only base it off of the first one that I saw before. But uh, once I got into this one, I was like, "Oh wow, this is really cool." I feel like you wouldn't expect someone from Wakanda to be. Abducted. I feel like they would have done it with somebody different from Earth, or, or mm-hmm. not Earth, uh, but like the normal part of Earth, not not the hidden village of Wakanda. And so that was kind of kind of cool to see how they played that out, and um, and how they made T'Challa into Star Lord. And he was kind of a not quite as, I guess, the word is douchey of a version <laughs> that Chris yeah. Pratt played. Uh, he was a little bit nicer and uh, had a little bit more of a heart. Not not to not to say uh, Chris Pratt's version didn't, but um, uh, I just felt like T'Challa was a little bit more of a wise, a little bit more of a wise guy than uh, Chris Pratt's version, and it was kind of cool how they played that out. And I like the whole story of Yondu still having a good relationship with him and all that. And it, and it kind of just explained to me. It kind of just explained a little bit more behind Yondu and their whole the whole Ravager uh, motive, I guess that I did maybe didn't catch in, in in the Guardians movie.
1: Yeah, I'm torn a little bit because I think the one I had the most fun with is definitely episode two with T'Challa becoming Star-Lord. But I think the one that ultimately is going to take the cake for me is the episode four, Dr. Strange losing his heart instead of his hands. That one I think is just the most unique one of the entire series so far. It also is the one that tells us a completely new story with really not anything we've seen before. And I just found myself so engaged and like unsure of how this one was going to play out while I was watching it.
0: Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you guys for sure. Those are those episodes are great choices. I think to Keith's point, something I really, really loved about episode two, and it's no disrespect to the Chris Pratt version of of Peter Quill. But I do think watching this episode makes that character. I don't know what I would say. Kind of seem not like a waste, but I'll just explain my thoughts. I think you'll know what I mean. It's just way more interesting, I feel like, to see a version of Star-Lord that is still, you know, a thief, is still stealing things, still out to make money, all that good stuff, riding with, like, this crazy kind of crew. But at his heart, like, he's more of, like, a Robin Hood figure, you know? It's like, yeah, I'm stealing, but I'm stealing from these bad people or these people that don't need it in order to better, like not only little settlements all over the place, but also just the galaxy as a whole. So it was like, oh, it's a really cool element. And then it makes you kind of laugh in comparison thinking about uh, the, uh, the Peter Quill version, which is just like, I'm just going to steal something I don't have a good relationship with anybody in the first movie, like in the beginning of it. So I thought it was kind of like a cool difference. And it actually made sense because obviously T'Challa is kind of like a leader
1: at heart too. I agree with what you're saying, but I think they justify both ways. Like I think Peter Quill is justified being the way he is because he didn't really have an upbringing. Mm -hmm. And then when we see T'Challa as it, his Wakanda background is what feeds into the way he operates as Star-Lord. So I, I still like both ways that played out in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I
0: think in terms of my favorite episode, it probably would also be episode four, the Doctor Strange one that Austin called out, but just for the sake of talking about another favorite of mine, definitely I was very pleasantly surprised with episode three, which was the whole murder mystery because I thought that one could be a bit more of a slow burn, a bit less interesting just with like what if the Avengers are getting picked off and it's like – Is this going to have a good payoff? But I actually really liked the pairing of Nick Fury and Black Widow, which we kind of saw a lot of in the beginning of the MCU, but didn't get too much of as time went on. So it was great seeing them paired together. It was really cool seeing a lot of the phase one MCU stuff revisited, stuff that we were pretty familiar with after doing a rewatch semi-recently. So that was cool. And I really liked the way it came together with the reveal of Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, as the Yellow Jacket, the villain from the Ant-Man movie. I thought it was all justified in a super cool what-if premise. And then I love the ending of that one too, like setting up maybe a sequel episode in like season two or something like Nick Fury having to utilize Captain America and Captain Marvel to fight a Loki that has now come to Earth to take over so that one got me pretty excited
1: I like that one a lot I never realized that all that was supposed to take place in a week for Nick Fury yeah I didn't realize that at all they didn't they didn't say that in those first movies did they I don't
0: think they did with Hulk but if we remember Iron Man 2 colson leaves halfway through that movie and he's like i'm on a mission from fury and then in the post credit scene they reveal he's in new mexico and then they show the hammer so that one we kind of knew took place around the same time but yeah i never knew that hulk was um but yeah keith mentioned it. that comic i guess came out way back when that kind of called it fury's big week and it's kind of a cool concept of nick fury over the course of a few days trying to put together the avengers like an iron man that's dying. So he has to solve that problem. A Thor that comes out of nowhere falls to earth. And then Hulk who has been on the run for years that finally surfaces in America. So I thought that was a cool concept too, making it such a a real time thing, you know, like just a week. So that was pretty cool.
1: It's funny though. I think episode three might actually be my least favorite of the season. Mm. I thought I had the most fun when Loki gets involved, but I really wasn't too into like returning to all the phase one movies. And I know episode one really does that too. But I was just more impressed with episode one with how they like shot for shot recreated the Captain America movie. It's definitely the least ambitious of the series, but I found it more interesting than episode three.
2: You mean Austin? You mean you didn't like General Ross returning with the fifty cows?
1: Yeah, Austin,
0: come on!
1: You have a vendetta against my favorite film of all time. <laughs> <laughs> that one just felt like a unearned, like greatest hits for me. Where it's like, hey, sure. remember when we did this? And when we did this? And I was like, this is this. Is, that one felt like a waste of my time, honestly. When Loki shows up, it gets fun. Yeah, but yeah, overall, yeah. I wasn't that into episode three.
2: I will agree. I think one of my favorite scenes of that one was the Nick Fury-Loki conversation in the middle of the field. That
0: was cool. That was pretty badass. So you're saying that you agree that that one was also your least favorite, Keith, or did you have a different least favorite?
2: No, I wouldn't say that's my least favorite. Actually, I would say the zombies one's probably my least favorite. I'm with you. I'm with you. By
0: far my least favorite.
2: Yeah, I just didn't really get a lot out of that one. I don't. And nothing really happened in it that really was like, oh wow, that's cool.
1: Well, Matt, I know from some off-mic conversations, episode one originally was your least favorite. So, what is it about episode five that you liked even less than episode one? And I did like episode
0: one. Um, I, I just it was my least favorite because I liked the other ones so much more. But yeah, Austin and I had talked about it a little bit that episode one was presented so well, but I just. It's kind of like he said with the zombies. I just didn't get a whole lot out of it other than Haley Atwell is so charismatic and I'm just such a big fan of hers. And I loved getting to see her as Captain Carter. She was great. But other than that, it is kind of just a shot for shot recreation of a lot of Captain America, the first Avenger, which, again, the three of us had just recently watched. So it it did feel very samey and it kind of just felt like a 30 minute recap of that 2 hour movie just with a different character in the lead. She was great, but it just I didn't get a whole lot out of it. Um the reason episode 5 though is my least favorite is because there was it had the most that I didn't like. Episode 1 was just a little bit slow for me. That's the most I could bad I could say about it. Episode 5 I just found such a jarring discrepancy between like how serious the premise was set up to be with Hulk falling to earth like right at the beginning of Infinity War. And it's like really atmospheric and eerie. And it's like, oh, the Avengers are here to save me. And then it's this zombie reveal. It's like, holy shit. And then like Iron Man gets decapitated. And it's like, oh my God, this is crazy for like an animated show, kind of violent. And I was like, this is kind of cool. I'm liking this. And then like Waft shows up and it's like, oh, there's a team being put together. This is super cool. And then from that moment on, like right after that opening scene, it's just a weird joke fest. Like this seems like a pretty serious thing. And it's not like this is 10 years into an MCU apocalypse where like they've come to terms with what's happening. It's like a week later and Peter Parker's like, "All, Joe, there's my friend Happy. We're going to take out some zombies. <laughs> and then <laughs> Happy's like, blam, blam. And then Sharon Carter's like, no, Happy died. And then she shoots somebody to avenge Happy. And then she just goes with like, a tear in her face. Blam, And it's like, I, is she honoring Happy? It's like, this is so stupid. And we already talked about it. Sebastian Stan should be so cool seeing Bucky have to fight a zombie cap and then beats him. And he's just like, guess we did go to the end of the line, buddy. It's like, this is so terrible. And then, yeah, the, the whole vision reveal. It just like, I was at least hoping that the reveal of like the cure and all that would be compelling. And I was like, I didn't really care about any of that. So I didn't like it.
2: Even the guy playing Peter. Whenever she said, Happy's day, we lost Happy. (laughs) No. Not happy. Not
0: happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is some weird moments. And then I love Paul Rudd. I thought he was super funny, but even then it's like he was watching all these people die. Like that the guy, Kurt, was from was like his really good friend in the Ant-Man movies, and he watches him get killed by Scarlet Witch and he just makes a joke about it. It's not until he sees a wasp, but he's like kind of sad, so just kind of a weird like, mix of drama and comedy in a way that did not work for me.
1: Well, on that note, I wanted to ask you guys, how so far has this series surprised you? And on, on the other side of that, how has it disappointed you, if at all?
2: I guess it, I don't think it's disappointed me at all, really. I mean, except for just little nitpicks here and there. But overall, I think it surprised me uh, pretty well. Like I said, I really like the format of it. I like that it's just a collection of uh, short stories and that they all don't flow into each other. It's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think in terms of disappointments, really, I only have two. It's just the zombie episode I thought was a little bit too jokey. And then the first episode I thought was just slightly too much of what I expected it to be with like just kind of playing out pretty similar to the movie Captain America First Avenger. Other than that, though, I thought everything has been super cool. And in terms of surprises, there's actually been a lot. Um, Just in a few episodes, I feel like I, I really thought Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher was just going to be kind of the narrator in the opening and closing of the episode. Maybe you get something occasionally in the middle, but I really loved how episode one, barely in it. And then as it goes on to four, it's like we're getting more of him. And then I thought like the reveal of him in the Doctor Strange episode, I mean, that episode was just chock full of surprises. I mean, I loved how the Watcher is used where he's like watching strange, like, go down this dark path. And he has that great line where he's like, I should do something about it. Like you actually hear it in the performance. Like he wants to do something about it. And then he's like, even if I could tell him, he probably wouldn't listen. And you actually believe it because like, we're watching how down this hole, like Steven is going and then watching strange go like, Oh, who's there. So like, she actually heard it. And then them like talking to each other at the end of the episode, I did not expect it all. I thought that was so cool. And then the fact that episode just ended so dark, I was, not expecting whenever they introduce like, but there is another Doctor Strange. I was like, OK, that's cool. But obviously they're only doing that so this episode can have a happy ending where the good strange defeats the bad strange. And then they were like, nope, we'll just have the bad strange win and destroy the universe. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I mean, that was pretty cool and definitely surprising.
1: Yeah, that's been my favorite thing about this show, really, is that and I mentioned it in, I mentioned it in the intro, but it's that not every episode has had a happy ending, especially with this being 30 minute like increments, like it's very easy to introduce some dire strands and then immediately wrap it up. And we haven't done that with every episode. Like you said, that episode four literally ends with Dr. Strange's world ending or his world. Um, And so I've I've really enjoyed how dark Marvel has been willing to get with this one. I also like that the animation has also been able to be a bit more violent, like seeing Captain America's shield cut a bunch of zombies in half. Like that was really fun. What are y'all's thoughts on Marvel kind of going a little bit darker with this animated show?
2: Even if the even the episodes that did have somewhat happy endings, they always had something. They always had like a one character that had a bad ending, like uh, the T'Challa episode. You go, it cuts to Peter Quill with Ego, his dad, Kurt Russell's character, visiting him, and you know they're about to get in some bad shit. Whenever he arrives to pick him up at the Dairy
1: Queen, also kind of set up for a sequel episode too.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point you guys made. I didn't even really think about that, but I guess every episode has kind of ended in a way where they could do like a sequel episode in season two. We already know we're getting a season two. And so so that could be cool to follow up on some of those threads. And yeah, like even in the happier episodes like the T'Challa one, I mean, it's not just kind of a scary ending seeing Kurt Russell show up because the only reason he didn't, if I recall in guardians two go after him immediately is because he didn't know where he was. And that's because Peter was roaming the galaxy with the guardians. Like he had his own agency, but If Peter doesn't, if he's just on Earth not going anywhere and Ego can come back and find him, like, nobody's there to save him. So he's just going to do the same thing he did in the movie and just, like, sap his power away, which we know will destroy that universe and Ego will be in charge. So even the episodes that were, like, really happy, like, we know will end with, like, the destruction. So part of me is now wondering if that'll, like, come into play in this season. Like, the fact that all these episodes have these endings that set up for something else – will the Watcher have to interfere at some point? Because, like, even these episodes where good things are happening, will he have to eventually go, I guess I should
1: do something to save these people? So I don't know. I didn't think about that. And also, too, at the end of Loki, with the sacred timeline fracturing, we were thinking that maybe this show is going to play a broader role in the MCU than we originally thought. Um, On the note of kind of things being set up at the end of every episode, how are you guys feeling about that halfway through the show? Do we think this is still going to tie into the broader MCU or is this just going to be a fun spin-off?
0: So they have said that everything that we've seen is Canon. Like these are all actual multiverses. These are real things that we're seeing, but like will captain Carter pop up in live action that I don't know. So it's a good question. I'm not sure. It is nice to know that everything we're seeing is like happening in a different alternate reality somewhere. But I'm not sure how much it'll cross over, like, physically with the other movies or anything. But I think I'm okay with that, like you like you asked. I think that's fine. I don't think everything has to cross over. What would be cool to see, like, maybe some of the characters cross over in the episodes. That could be cool. It seems like that's what they're setting up. But, yeah, I'm okay with them not, like, going into the movies. For now. Maybe they will. I'm not sure.
1: I'm wondering if maybe this show's setting up a way for just the watcher to appear in live action, Jeffrey Wright as the watcher in the MCU. Like maybe all of this is a big setup for that to kind of happen later and have some payoff.
0: I, I mean, that, that, that would make sense. I mean, it really does seem like already with all of these movies they've done in the phase four, like the new movies and the shows, like the multiverse and like the crazy timeline and all that shit. Like it's like, that's played into almost every single thing we've gotten so far. So they're really leaning into it. So I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like a live action Jeffrey Wright at some point, since he's the one that's supposedly watching over all the multiverses. So that would make sense.
1: Well, and honestly, with like how much more you're getting of The Watcher each episode, like how much more content he has and like voiceovers and, and like intervening and like interacting with Doctor Strange, this whole season has kind of felt like a bit of an origin story to me for The Watcher. Like, I, I wonder if we're going to learn more about his background and how he so. came to be and why he does all this. Yeah, maybe will it,
2: will it tie into to Loki and the whole time thing with that? Yeah, maybe
0: he's in the second season. I don't know. I, I hope that episode six, after the zombie one, was a bit more of like a palate cleanser. Um, I hope that episode six kind of continues the Watcher story from episode four, where he directly interacted with Strange, which is something kind of against his rules to not interfere. I hope that we get more screen time with him, and then maybe eventually he has to make a choice to... Interfere for the betterment of the multiverses, or or
1: something like I don't know. I'm, I'm I, I think that's where we're going. I hope so, but we'll see. Isn't that his whole thing in the comics, though? Is like he literally can never intervene as much, even if he wants to. Uh, ugh. I'm I'm vaguely familiar with this version,
0: this character Uatu, the Watcher, is the one that we're seeing. I can't remember if that's his thing. If like he can't physically interfere, or it's just like a moral thing it's like that's his code but he he can it's just that he he won't so yeah I don't know I'm guessing he will in some way and it won't be like a big thing I think like I think he I think the characters themselves are still gonna be the ones that have to like save the multiverse it's just I think he's going to put them on a path to do that like he's gonna help them cross over and like meet or something like that which is still breaking his code, but it's not like he's just going to... Some great evil is coming, then he'll just stop it. Like He'll let the other ones do it, but he might help them realize that or something.
1: So taking a step back here, have you guys liked... Kind of in each episode, seeing similar scenes that we already know from the movies, or are you wishing they had? Are are you wishing they had kind of just told brand new stories and haven't gone back to scenes that we've already seen? Like that's kind of what I like about the Stephen Strange one. Is the only really recurring scene in that one is just him driving in the car. Everything else is pretty new content.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that, Keith? Because I'm kind of conflicted on it.
2: I like the combo of both. I mean. It's kind of cool to see scenes you've already seen. I'm like, oh, so that's what would happen if if this guy was here instead of this guy, and so maybe you know t- on a more negative level, going back to the Captain America one. Yeah, Matt, I get what you're saying with that one because that one's like pretty much like a copycat from first first Avenger, just you know accelerated and fast forwarded. Yeah. Um, but then going into you know the T'Challa one and and then the, the following ones. Yeah, I think there's some good combinations of of new new material combined with. Alternative timelines, so yeah, I, I think I think it works well for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'm pretty much right there with that. I feel like as long as they keep it fresh and each episode changes the amount, like some episodes have more familiar stuff and then like maybe the next one has less. I think I'm cool with that. Like, yeah, with the the strange one, I like that it was just the car accident that we saw and then everything else was just kind of a whole big what if and kind of just they use like similar locations, but not similar scenes. But then alternatively, I it sounds like unlike Austin, I did like how in episode three they gave us like the scene at the college with Hulk. They gave us the Iron Man 2 diner scene. They gave us Thor trying to pick up Mjolnir, but then things happened differently and i think i liked it because that episode handled it a bit differently than the first one which is it contextualized all of it into a one week time frame like with the whole title cards like monday bam tuesday so i think as long as you do something cool with it like that then i'm okay with them showing familiar stuff but then yeah like in the in the star lord one i like that yeah we see yandu abducting him but really everything else is just like a completely different heist story so as long as they keep it fresh and change the amount every so often, episode to episode, I think I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah, I've been enjoying the mix of it, too. I, I am hoping for some just, like, in the second half of this season, for just, like, from the ground up, brand new stories featuring characters we know. I think that would be fun. Um, I think my issue with episode three is just phase one is my least favorite era of the MCU. So going back to all those movies, is just, like, I didn't find that to be, like, a treat. It was more like a, ugh, oh, here we are again, back in, like, some of the worst movies of the MCU.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. I feel like some more ground up stories could be cool. Hopefully they're planning some of those for season two and maybe it's just all of season one is just supposed to be a general kind of here's what what if can actually be. Here's our idea for what that even means. So then in season two, we'll do more original stories now that you understand the concept of it. We haven't really talked too much about it, surprisingly, but this is Marvel's first animated project in the context of the MCU so you know with animation whether it be a big studio like Pixar or a smaller one doing an anime or just like a lower budget animated show for example you know the animation really can make or break your show how do you guys like this one for what if it's I'm not I'm experienced with a lot of different animation but I'm not good with the names of like what certain styles are so this one kind of semi-realistic a little bit of cell shading in there I would I would imagine you'd call it um a little bit blocky But I think it looks pretty cool, and I think it helps make the action look pretty fast and frenetic, but I'm not sure if everybody feels the same way. Do you guys like how the animation actually looks?
1: Yeah, I definitely don't think it looks bad. I think every episode has looked really good and had great voice acting for the most part, minus Sebastian Stan, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I think I have a question, though, for you guys, and that is, would you be happy if each episode was a different animation style, or do you like that we've had a consistent animation style throughout the show? The thing that comes to mind for me is that, like, uh, Love Zombies Robots thing on Netflix. How every episode of that is a different style. Like, would you guys have liked that kind of same approach for this one?
2: I I I I like the same animation style that we've got. If they don't change that, then I'm still I'm good with it staying as it is. Pretty relaxed on that. I have no strong opinions on it. I guess.
0: I feel like I've seen some people. I don't think a lot, but some people have been saying, "Yeah, it would have been cool to get different animation styles from episode to episode." And for me, that was never really an issue. The only one that I found myself like wondering at all what it could have looked like was the zombies one, just because we had seen how all the characters looked in the previous episodes. And, and then in that one, since it was a bit more violent, I was wondering, like, I wonder what this would have looked like in a, even a darker animation style. That could have been interesting, but I, I still didn't hate it. I still liked it. So that's the but that's the only episode where I even really considered what a different animated style could have done for that
1: story in particular. It would have been cool to get that like photorealistic animation style, like the more recent Pixar movies, or yeah, kind
2: Polar of. Express kind of. Oh yeah,
1: Austin, you love. That oh, movie. my favorite, Polar Express. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks in the MCU too. What if a young Peter Parker had been chosen to be
0: the nerdy kid on the Polar Express? (laughs) That'd be my Christmas Eve movie every night. Uh, Tom Hanks, the conductor, can you be a little bit quieter? You're going to wake up my Uncle Ben. And they just hear shooting (laughs) in the background. Uncle Ben, no! (laughs) (laughs) And then Tom Hanks goes, all aboard, and just pulls him on. And he's just crying the entire time. So before we close out with a few more quick segments, I thought it would be fun to talk about some episodes that we are not getting, but almost did. Some of the writers' concepts were rejected because they matched with story ideas that Marvel were already planning to use, such as Professor Hulk and older Steve Rogers and Pepper Potts in their rescue armor, and all of those appeared in Avengers Endgame, so those were cut. Loki becoming a hero and wielding Mjolnir was considered, but since that was happening in the show Loki, they chose not to do that. Jane Foster becoming Thor was planned, but since that's happening in Thor Love and Thunder, they cut that. And an interesting statement that has no other details is A.C. Bradley pitched an episode that Kevin Feige rejected because he said that's literally half of the planned plot for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. (laughs) Oh, wow. So they cut that. One episode that actually got very close to happening, but then was kind of cut at the last minute because it was deemed too dark for the PG-13 slash TV-14 rating was, what if Peter Parker was bit by a spider and turned into a spider? And they said that one was too dark and too kind of body horror element, like kind of for Marvel's taste. So that one was cut.
1: That's weird because they have shapeshifters in the MCU. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. And then this one's for Keith. I know Austin hates the idea. Uh, I kind of don't mind it. There was actually a crossover uh, discussed with Star Wars character Luke Skywalker. (laughs) How the
1: hell would that work? I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) Why would I hate that idea?
0: Because you hate Mark Hamill. He
1: plays Luke Skywalker. I like him when he's voice acting. That's perfect for him. That'd be the best Luke Skywalker he's ever played. That's true. That's a good point, actually.
0: (laughs) So despite the series anthology format, the writers conceived a story device for the first season that allowed them to have some connectivity between the episodes. Each episode ends with a twist or question that could potentially be resolved in a sequel episode similar to the MCU film's post-credit scene, like you mentioned Keith with Kurt Russell, a.k.a. Ego, coming to visit Peter Quill. Um, These endings are kind of references to the other twist endings from the What If comics that were never resolved as the writers were developing the scripts, they realized that Captain Carter would kind of become more important alongside the Watcher and decided that they would revisit her story in each future season. Bradley was asked to only explore what-if concepts for existing MCU stories, so Phase 4 characters will not appear until Season 2. Are they going to get Angelina Jolie to do some voice acting? For the Eternals,
1: you think so? I mean, they got—they somehow got all these other actors to do it. Oh, yeah. Was there anybody they didn't get that we wanted to talk about? They didn't get ScarJo, but she's engaged in some legal battles.
0: Engaged in some legal battles? Sounds so (laughs) dour. Yeah. I guess the big one was Scarlett Johansson. But I mean, after Black Widow, it seems like she's done. So I don't know if it would have made sense for her to voice it anyway. RDJ didn't want to... Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, RDJ, uh, Chris Evans, and Scarlett Johansson, it seems like they're done with the MCU now. So I'm not surprised they weren't in it. I was surprised Brie Larson didn't voice Captain Marvel, and I was surprised that Dave Bautista didn't voice Drax. Tom Holland didn't voice Peter Parker. I think that's because of Sony, though, because it's a Disney Plus show. They couldn't have him do it. But the, the Dave Bautista one was weird because it's like he said that they well, he wasn't even asked. And my only thought was... If that's the only time he appears in this season, does Marvel really want to give Dave Batista $10 million to just say one line of dialogue? Same with Bree Larson. So maybe that's yeah. the justification, but I don't know the answer to that one.
1: Yeah, I was also thinking about like maybe it was just pitched to the actors as like, hey, if you've got time to do this, it'd be cool. But if not, we'll get somebody else. Like maybe they pitched it as like a it's not a big commitment if you don't wanna if you just don't want to or don't have time to come voice this character.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we should also because this is only the first half of our review of What If Season 1, we should probably talk about real quick and get your guys' thoughts on the confirmed episodes for the rest of the season. So, we have four more. Um, we have What If Killmonger, who will be voiced by Michael B. Jordan, save Tony Stark from being kidnapped in Afghanistan during the events of Iron Man 1. The trailer for that one's cool. Yeah, it's like, what would Tony Stark, a guy who's obsessed with making weapons at that time, do not going through the character arc of the first Iron Man, I would imagine he would help Killmonger go to Wakanda. So we will see what happens there. Um, We have one that is pretty vague. I don't really know what this one means, but all they're saying is, what if when Thor was banished to Earth, he was still worthy of Mjolnir? So again, it maybe seems like another thing, kind of like that Tony Stark one I just mentioned, which is if he gets banished to Earth, but he still can have Mjolnir, then that that wouldn't force him to go
1: through that character arc of the first Thor movie. You got to imagine that, Version of Thor is just like going to be a conqueror if he lands on Earth and is greeted by our military. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. So that'll be interesting. We
0: have one that we we don't know anything about, but we do know it seems like there's going to be an episode that focuses on Gamora, not voiced by Zoe Saldana. But we have seen an image of her wearing Thanos's armor and wielding his blade from Avengers Endgame. So maybe she's gonna be evil like Thanos. Maybe that means she's killed Thanos and is now just using his armor. I don't know, but I'm glad we're seeing more Gamora. So that could be cool.
1: Yeah, because isn't that like part of the the things that they used to have to do as a kid, where it was like try and kill me if you can, and they would always have to square off in combat. So Mm. maybe in one of those she won. Yeah, and then the finale sounds,
0: you know, pretty big and exciting, which we would hope for a finale. What if Ultron and Vision had successfully merged during the events of Avengers Age of Ultron? And from some images we've seen, again, I don't know how. I'm sure the Watcher's involved. But it seems like some characters from past episodes are going to have to come together to defeat this big threat. And the image they've shown of Vision merging with Ultron, it seems like he might be wielding the Infinity Stones. So I think we're going to need a lot of people to defeat him. Is James Spader back? No, he is not.
1: Is that is the finale an
0: hour? I don't know. They they said at the outset that some episodes would be longer and some would be shorter than others, but so far, I feel like they've all been just over 30 minutes, so maybe some will be longer. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it sounds like we're on a wild ride for the second half of this season.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I think, obviously, based on the descriptions, I mean, that finale sounds cool, but just from like an interesting perspective of how much it could change, I really do think that Killmonger saving Iron Man could have pretty drastic implications for that storyline. Like a Tony Stark with no moral compass, like helping a villain like Killmonger, could be pretty scary.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, for real. I I think the Gamora one sounds cool just based on that image. I'm excited for that one.
2: Yeah, that'll be a good one.
1: All right, guys. Before we close out here,
0: we gotta talk about the future. So, any ideas brew and after watching these first five episodes did anything pop in your head that you would like to see in season two we've talked about what we'll see for the rest of the season but for the beyond for the future what do we want to see any pitches for me
1: yeah i guess i was surprised that they didn't do for the first season um i'm not sure if this is like a what if story in the comics or not but there is an arc that's just called thanos wins and it's literally just thanos wins and does everything he sets out to do and the Avengers are essentially annihilated. Hulk is like kept on a leash and is like fed people in like a gladiator pit. And I, I know that one's like kind of dark, but I, I was surprised that that wasn't one of the episodes for this season since we're all so familiar with Thanos and what happened in MCU phases one through three.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't heard of that, but that, that, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. That could be cool. Uh, Just more Josh Brolin focused content would be awesome. And yeah, you're actually are right. That is a big one. I mean, literally, we just got Avengers Endgame, which was the whole thing is like stopping him. So, what is the what if if he isn't stopped? Yeah, that could have been cool.
2: I guess one that I was thinking of that actually would stem from one of the which would stem from the first episode. I don't know if I want to see this, but it, I was just kind of thinking it. It's in that scene in the first episode with Captain America. Whenever Peggy becomes Captain Carter, um, whenever they're yelling at Steve because Steve just got blown out of the. The the super serum chamber, the guy's yelling, Stark, get in there. What if Howard Stark would have gotten there? How would that affect things? He wouldn't have died probably later on.
0: I thought he was going to become Iron Man in that episode. Like whenever Steve kind of got into a version of the armor, I was like, oh, that makes sense. But I thought like Howard might do something a bit more proactive or something. I, I wasn't sure. But yeah, I had a similar thought to maybe he would do something bigger in that one.
1: It was cool Steve got in the suit, though. That was still a fun way to have him involved. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot.
0: Um, Yeah, I don't really have a specific idea, but this just popped in my head, and it was better than what I had before, so I should probably throw it out there. You know, they talked about how they weren't going to do any Phase 4 and beyond characters that they were planning to introduce until Season 2, and guys, you know that I have conflicted feelings on the guy, but, I mean, I don't even want to put money down because it's just so obvious. We're gonna get Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool in a future episode of What If. I don't know what the story is. All I know is it's gonna be Buck Wild and insane, because with Deadpool you can do anything. It might even be Austin's thing. They'll have Deadpool just destroy the entire MCU.
1: I'd love to see it. That that actually is a what if comic, it I think, is, too. Yeah.
0: Is yeah. How about what if Deadpool was part of the MCU the entire time? And you do an episode where it's just like Similar events from all the movies, but then Deadpool's just there, (laughs) just like (laughs) trying to be friends with the characters. Like, he's part of the first Avengers, but like they all hate him. And it's like, it does the circle shot with everybody, then Deadpool's in the background, like, oh, you guys did the circle without me. (laughs) Like, come on. (laughs) You
1: guys know I love the circle. And maybe things can finally come full circle and Donald Glover can voice Deadpool. That was supposed to happen.
0: They did cancel his Deadpool show, but they definitely won't do that because they have Ryan Reynolds who won't stop talking about how much he loves the character so sorry austin you'll have to wait for donald glover to reprise his role as miles's uncle from spider-man homecoming or if they do their star wars episode they talked about then maybe he'll play young lando i didn't like that movie but i'd be down for that <laughs> there you go there you go i'd be down for that all right guys it's time to close out the show but real quick we got to throw some awards out there it is time for the arnie's award show we do it every week so keith my friend how about you start us off this time Do you have a particular thing you want to call out? Give a major shout out to, give some praise and send a trophy to for what if thus far?
2: Yeah, I'm going to give the best stepfather award to Yondu, Michael Rooker. I really liked that moment whenever he came in. He's like, you know, I'm not going to leave here without my boy. Boy.
0: (laughs) 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 That was good. That was good.
1: All right. I, uh, I am bringing back an award. I think from like episode eight or seven of this podcast, one of our original awards. I think I know what it's going to be. And it is the Mark Hamill Regression Award. And it's going to Sebastian (laughs) Stan. He has regressed, unfortunately, from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. His voice acting brought him really downhill. But maybe he'll get the Mark Hamill Honorary Most Improved Award for season two of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We'll have to see.
0: I'm going to give. It's a pretty easy award to give. Everybody, I think, in their heart wanted to. I'm going to give the most hype moment award to when Karen Gillan as Nebula, of course, references Thanos' title as the Mad Titan. And then while he's about to sacrifice himself, he says, daughter, I'm not angry. I'm mad. And then he goes on a rampage. And I was like, let's go. Let's go, Josh. (laughs) The music in that episode was great, too. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was my most hyped moment. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss any upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that to continue to grow the show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your shows really does help us out. At The Arneys is our social and TheArnie's.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday with the return to the MCU once again. but. This time, it's an older era of the Marvel Universe. This time, in preparation for Spider-Man No Way Home in December, we will be talking about the past films. So in order to do that, we'll be starting with the Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy from the early 2000s. We'll be doing this in the style of our recent Parts of the Caribbean franchise discussion, so that should be exciting. My friends, are we looking forward to this?
2: Oh, frick yeah, man. Hell yeah. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah. I love I love the uh,
2: Tobey Maguire Spider Man. So, to be honest with you, I didn't know we were doing this. I didn't know. This was on I, the schedule.
1: I thought it was gonna <laughs> be a fun surprise for
0: you. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, you're in the league. This is awesome. It's be
2: fun. I'm really excited.
1: I'm excited too. Uh, I have seen all of these movies exactly once. So that'll be a fun return for me. And Matt, I got a question. Something that you just read. Are these movies part of the MCU? Because aren't they owned by Sony? Did I say that? You did. You said they will be returning to the MCU. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. No, they're not part of the MCU.
0: Well, I guess maybe in December they'll be revealed to be part of the MCU if Toby Maguire shows up. Loki, you know, he did some crazy stuff. They created the multiverse. So yeah, these movies are part of the MCU multiverse now, you know. <clears throat> I'm pushing my glasses up.
1: <laughs> but no, in reality, that was just me misspeaking. <laughs> Toby Maguire's Spider-Man will be fun. Um, as for some other stuff, Hey, go back and check out co-op couch. That's the Arnie's sideshow where we do some gaming content. Uh, for our most recent episode, we talked about the recent time loop thriller, 12 minutes, Matt and I had a ton of fun breaking that one down. And next month we'll finally be talking about the highly anticipated death loop from arcane studios. And we'll also be breaking down some of the biggest news from Sony's PlayStation state of play. And we got a, God of war trailer. We got a new Spider-Man 2 trailer. Tons of stuff to break down. So be on the lookout for that soon. Keith, with that, what does the audience need to know before we say goodbye?
2: Well, actually, going back to y'all's co-op couch, uh, I heard on the radio today that today marks the 26th anniversary that the original Sony PlayStation came out in
0: 1995. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Anyway,
2: lastly, we want to hear from you. Give us a message on Instagram at the Arnies, or email us TheArnie'sMedia at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on the Pirates franchise, Shang-Chi in the first half of What If. If there's anything you want us to cover, be sure to let us know. Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode.
0: That's right. And with that, have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next week, everybody.
1: What if Terrence Howard played Rhodey? (laughs) What if? (laughs)